Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we've got TJ Erickson from Park Rapids, Minnesota. We've had TJ on before. TJ's a guide. He's a YouTuber. Uh, just a just a fishing uh, enthusiast extraordinaire, however you want to say it. TJ is uh, high energy, super, super great communicator, uh, just, just a wealth of information. He fishes all the time. And I, like I said, I've had him on before. I love this guy. He's perfect on the podcast. Uh, that being said, we're talking fall walleyes in this episode. TJ's from Park Rapids. So we're going to be talking that uh, central and northern Minnesota region. Uh, but everything that TJ talks about here is so, so in-depth, so good. The recommendations are so spot on. Uh, I don't think it matters where you're from. Uh, if you're going after walleyes in the fall, no matter where you're at, you're going to be able to pick up some things. Uh, TJ is definitely an electronics junkie. He's a tech guru. So, uh, you know, if you go to his YouTube channel, which I highly recommend if you haven't already, a ton of in-depth videos there, a lot of how-to, very educational stuff there, and a lot of forward sonar stuff. Um, and, you know, we're not going to talk super forward sonar specific in this conversation, um, but definitely going to touch on some things that I believe TJ learns or, you know, develops his strategy based on forward sonar, whether you need it or not. So there's a lot to take away from all that conversation, whether you have forward sonar or not. So anyways, you know it. We're talking to Fall Walleyes, TJ Erickson, Park Rabbids, Minnesota. Let's get to it. This is the season for hunting and fishing opportunities in the state of North Dakota. If you hunt big game here, remember to do your part in protecting the herd. And that means knowing and following the regulations regarding chronic wasting disease here in the state of North Dakota, specifically the carcass disposal requirements. Any game carcass waste that is transported outside the hunting unit where the animal is harvested must be disposed of via a landfill or waste management provider. If you're hunting big game in North Dakota, it is your personal responsibility to educate yourself on these regulations and this information. Luckily for you, it's very simple. Just head down to the description of this podcast and click on the link that is gf.nd.gov cwd. That's where you're going to get the information on the regulations and all information regarding chronic wasting disease in the state of North Dakota. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizavi from Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. Just to kind of uh, pass it on to you, you know, fall walleyes, uh, we can just start there. Maybe we'll get into some other species later, but fall walleyes, man, what have you been up to lately? What's kind of the story of the year? What are some of the the the, the topics that we need to start on uh, for what you've been seeing this year on that front? Yeah, you bet, you bet. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to it. Anytime I get a chance to talk fishing, talk walleyes, talk any of that, I love it. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of jump right in here. I... This fall's actually looked a little bit different for me. It's been a lot of fun. In the fall, you know, we start school and I'm typically guiding still. And so it gets to be crazy trying to get guide trips after school on the weekends. And I made the decision this year, you know, with some of my YouTube stuff going well, some of my other opportunities with some photo video stuff in the fishing industry, I, I actually took this fall off of guiding. So once it started, um, 
you know, I think we started had teacher workshops. I pretty much quit guiding, which was a lot of fun because I was still spending just as much time on the water, but I could chase a lot of different bites. I could do some things that I don't normally get to do. I was able to, you know, run over to Leech Lake. I was able to do just a few of these things. So it's been a really fun fall for me. And honestly, fall is my favorite time of year. I mean, I think a lot of people say that it's, it's a hard time of year because everything's good, you know, hunting and fishing. And it's just an awesome time of year, the weather, the temperature, but fall walleyes are really a fun bite, you know, and we talk fall walleyes, you know, one of the things that I always go back to is from way back when, anytime you're looking at a fish species, it's always like the FLP, you know, fish location presentation, you know, that's just your general breakdown. And it's something that I always go back to because it's so time tested. Um, you know, but when we're looking at, you know, walleyes, kind of what's happening right now, these walleyes, their metabolism is starting to slow down. Water temperatures are decreasing. They're starting to look ahead of like, okay, winter's coming, everything's slowing down. And so in the summer when their metabolism's high, you know, a lot of times they're eating anything, you know, they're eating leeches and crawlers, they're eating bugs, they're eating anything they can eat and they're just eating a ton. Um, and a lot of smaller meals this time of year as things are slowing down they're not eating quite as frequently their metabolism is down and they're typically looking for you know that one big meal they're not wanting to expend the energy to eat a ton of different smaller meals looking for one big meal something that's you know high in you know protein or whatever it is you know and uh, a lot of times you know that might be cisco or this time of year those young of the year perch are getting to be that better size so they can be eating those a lot um, on various lakes, like for example, I'm heading up to Rainy Lake here this weekend. Smelt are a huge one um, that they love to eat. And so that kind of sets the stage up for what's going on in the fall. It's just like, what are they doing? What's happening? And so we'll dive right from there. That'll kind of transition right into like locations. So we know that they're looking for one big meal. They're, we know they're chasing a lot of these, especially uh, minnow baits. And so right now, what I'm seeing in my area and probably across a lot of Minnesota is temps somewhere in the 50s. Um, even I think it was a week and a half ago, I still had some like 60 degree water temps, which is crazy for this time of year. Um, but I love 50s. 50s is like my favorite time of year for water temps in the fall. And if we could get it for like a month, that would be awesome. Oftentimes it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it seems to just slow down so quickly. We're down in the 40s, which still isn't bad either. Um, but 50s is like my favorite. There's so many different bites going on right now. I mean, it's it's incredible. You can go to one body of water and it's going to fish very differently from another body of water. Even within the same body of water, there's going to be five, six, seven different bites going on, which is awesome. Um, it's a little bit daunting because you're like, where do I even start? Um, but it is also very nice because if there's a bite that's not happening, you could easily switch it up and go to something else where, you know, sometimes in the summer or whatever it is, if there's a lake that only has one, maybe two bites going and you see maybe a deep structure bite isn't going, there might not be any other options. So the nice thing about the fall is there's always options. And typically there's fish eating. You just got to figure out which group of fish and get on the right group of fish at the right time. So I'll just kind of run through a bunch of the bites that are going on right now. Kind of talk through some of the locations. Um, I'll talk through each of them a little bit. And Taylor, if you want to, um, you know, if you have any questions or want to go into any of these a little further later on, you know, feel free to. Oh yeah. Um, I got my notepad ready. <laughs> you bet. You bet. But kind of starting off with probably one of the most consistent bites and honestly one of my favorite bites um, because I am an electronics junkie. I, I love that deeper structure bite. You know, it's so consistent this time of year, those deep rocks, you know, anywhere in that 20 to 30 foot range. Um, I don't like to fish over 30 feet, you know, just to protect these fish. And obviously there's going to be fish 
especially walleyes that are going to get out deeper. You hear some crazy fall bites of super deep water. I don't fish those just to, you know, preserve these fish and just to be protective of these resources. Um, but that deep structure bite is incredible and it can be so consistent and you can see them on your electronics. You don't need a live scope. You don't need a sight. Like you can literally do this with 2D. You know, it's going to take a little more time to drive over some of these, but a lot of times you'll see these fish just kind of stacked up on some of these areas. And, you know, one of the things with this deeper structure, right, or any of these bites really is really using your electronics to kind of find the spot on the spot. There might be a huge hump, but you're really going to want to dial in, like, where are these fish hanging out? And the more you fish, the more you use your electronics, you start to pick up on some of these things on the map. Um, of maybe it's a little point, maybe there's a little, just a little irregularity on this contour. And you notice like that might be a rock that might be, you know, a pile of rocks. Maybe this is a transition, whatever it is. They like to hang out with some of those irregularities. And one of the things that I noticed with deep structure, um, if you can have something that is closest to deep water, maybe you have like a 50 foot basin or a 70 foot basin, whatever it is, the part of the hump, the part of the structure that is closest to that typically is going to hold the most fish i mean that's that's all variable um but more often than not i will see them closer to the deep water side of them and that kind of goes with a lot of these bites i am looking for bites that are in that general area of that deepest water in the lake you know in the summertime a lot of these fish especially these bigger walleyes are out roaming the basin and we're seeing that more and more with forward-facing sonar and it's kind of a crazy cool thing going on right now that we're fighting these fish out out suspended and it's just really cool getting into suddenly untapped fish and um, but it seems like more and more in the fall these fish start to suck more to this structure and hang to that structure more often than they do in the summertime you know a lot of that's bait oriented where that bait is moving there so they're going to be around there and another little thing that you can kind of look for as well especially in relation to this deep structure is looking for areas where there's current fall is very notable for fish wanting current and some of our natural lakes in northern minnesota there's not going to be much current you know that's just the fact of the matter sometimes there's maybe some river flowing through but for example up on rainy lake like i'm going to this weekend there's some areas that have some you know considerable current so being able to go on some of that structure that's one closest to deep water but two um, kind of close to some of that current areas tend to be where some of those maybe it's smelt maybe it's cisco whatever it is, they tend to be where those bait fish are hanging out and that's just going to draw these walleyes so one of my favorite bites most consistent definitely that deep structure bite uh ton of fun ton of fun with the electronics and yeah like i said just a very consistent bite and kind of moving on to another one another one that also happens this time of year and is that kind of hard bottom to soft bottom transition anytime you get any sort of transition maybe it's weeds to rocks or whatever it is transitions typically will hold fish but for whatever reason there can be some hard bottom to soft bottom transitions that I don't see fish on any other time of year. And for whatever reason in the fall, they are hanging out there, you know. Usually they're close to that transition line. Sometimes they'll even be suspended up off that transition line. Even, you know, even if they're not hanging tight to it, if they're suspended, I, I don't know how they can even tell that that transition line is still there, but they're hanging out there. Um, you know, sometimes they'll be more on the sandy hard bottom side. Sometimes they'll be more on that muddy but typically they're somewhere close um, to that transition. And like I said, for whatever reason in the fall, that is a super fun bite. And that's one that you can really easily see on your side imaging. You can see it on your 2D or on your down or on your live scope. Um, but that side imaging is so crucial for this. It's so easy to see. Some of those just stick out like a sore thumb on 
you're side imaging that very, very bright return with that very kind of soft, dark return. Just seeing that transition line. And one of the things that I found too is um, if there's a break line that kind of coincides with that transition, that is also, you know, sometimes you'll see maybe a sandy point that kind of drops off to that mud and that's a transition. So you have two things going on there. You have the steep break and you have the transition. Again, that's just one more thing for these fish to kind of key in on. And anytime you can have more stuff, fish love to hang around stuff. That's why we fish structure all the time. Um, so anytime you can have more stuff, uh, whatever that looks like, there's going to be more fish around. So that hard to soft bottom transition is a really good one right now. Um, another one that is just tried and true and has been around forever is just fishing those steep breaks in the fall. You know, those walleyes will kind of hang around there, they'll kind of mill around. Maybe it's a hump in the middle of the lake. Maybe the hump tops out in like five feet. So you're not going to see these fish up on top, but they will be cruising that edge. And they might just uh, mill around the whole thing. Sometimes they might be feeding, sometimes they'll just be cruising around. Um, but those steep breaks are oftentimes in the fall, a very consistent pattern as well. And, you know, that's one of the ones that I used to fish so much. Um, but now, since I've gotten into more of the forward facing sonar, that's one I don't fish quite as much recently. And, you know, before it was like, I could easily just kind of follow a contour, follow a break line, and you could drag a minnow around and you're going to get bit. We're now seeing this forward facing sonar. You can really dial in some of these spots on the spot. So I don't do some of that trolling on the uh, steep breaks as much, but there's still definitely fish there. Um, and another one that is potentially one of my favorites. Um, and some of the bites that I've had the best luck on as far as numbers, maybe not as much size, but these kind of mid range flats. And a lot of times you're looking for these sandy flats. So if you're looking at a lake map, you know, you might have shallow areas, you might have some kind of gradual contours dropping down. But if you can get that anywhere from like 10 to 20 feet, you know, depth is so relative on the body of water. So it can be really hard to give a specific depth, but you know, say you're looking at like 18 feet and there's this big shallow sandy flat and 90% of the year, there's going to be no fish on there. All of a sudden you get there one day and you're seeing bait everywhere. And these fish are just swimming around with their mouths open. And you can see like a lot of these on the lake maps at times, but that doesn't mean everyone is going to be going. And not doesn't mean everyone was going to hold fish, but when you can get on those mid-range flats in kind of that sandy uh, bottom, it is awesome. I was out doing a double double guide trip with my buddy Lee. Uh, we were it was probably two years ago, and we were out doing the kind of the deeper structure bite, and we were getting some bites. We were getting some fish. Um, just wasn't you know wasn't a great fall bite, but we were kind of grinding through it, grinding through it, and all of a sudden I get a call um, from Lee, and he's like, "Get over here!" So we get over, and we had two boats. We were in, like I said, I think it was like 15 to 18 feet. It was just this big sandy flat. And I like was uh, turning my live scope around. You could see pods of bait just cruising everywhere. You could see fish just cruising everywhere. And it was so fun to see. My clients were just like in awe. This is the first time they'd see live scope. And so I was basically, you know, calling the shot. of like, I could see one swimming towards us. All we had to do was spot lock. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to pitch just vertical jig because these fish were moving, you know, nothing's holding them on these mid range flats like this. So they're just free to roam. And so these ones are moving so quickly because they were in such intense feeding mode that we were just dropping underneath. I'd scan around, basically see a fish that was beelining it towards us. And I was like, all right, someone's going to get bit. And sure enough, you know, they would bend the rod and they would just think I'm a magician or something, you know? So it's just super, super fun to see. That's a, a fun bite this time of year. Is that kind of like that little bit more mid range? And again, that's 
that's there because those that bait is just cruising and you'll see these huge pods of bait and a similar bite to that um but a little bit different is that shallow sandy flat you know sometimes you'll see that you know 15 20 foot range but this shallow sandy flat sometimes it can be you know an inside weed edge sometimes it can just be a big shallow sandy flat that's um coming right out from the shoreline but that's also i filmed a video oh when was it two three weeks ago now fishing some of these shallow sandy flats and you know that was in 10 or less feet of water typically and i was just driving there there are these big expansive sandy flats um sometimes they were smaller but a lot of times they're these big you know sometimes like almost you see in the springtime these big sandy flats and what you got to do is you just got to cover water i mean you're driving with your electronics um and if you see fish you know this video specifically that i filmed they weren't in big pods sometimes you'll see them potted up this was a bite where there was like two fish here two fish there i think the biggest pot of fish i saw was maybe like four five six fish um, but a lot of it was just kind of picking one fish off one fish here one fish there and again you know i know not everybody has live imaging or, or forward facing sonar but that was key on that bite because i was able to pitch right to these fish and when i could get to them they would be fairly aggressive and so that's another that shallow shallow bite is one that's a little more nuanced i think than others and it's something that people don't have a lot of confidence in um and i think part of that is because it doesn't happen on every lake you know some lakes don't have that shallow sandy bite um, or that shallow bite in general um, but when you do it can be super fun you can pitch jigs up into these and yeah it's it's another uh just super fun bite and one of the things that i will say about that and i even talked about this in my video is like just because you don't have electronics that bite doesn't isn't non-existent like that's a bite that people have been trolling crankbaits for years and catching fish because you can easily cover ground with those you're going to trigger bites um so that's one thing i always try to mention is like yes electronics make these bites easier but there's still a way to get through a lot of these bites with um, other techniques and that shallow sandy bite is is a great crankbait bite and so that can be another ton another thing that's very easy to do this fall time um so we got a couple more here that I'll kind of talk through. I know, like I said, there's so many bites going on in the fall and there's just so much and you kind of just check off the list. I'll go through a lot of these in the same day and just kind of see when I kind of get an idea of what's going on on one of these, I'll start looking for more of that. But another one in the fall is anytime you can still find some green weeds, you know, those weeds are dying off and those fish are kind of vacating some of those areas that bait's not there but every once in a while you'll find some areas for whatever reason maybe it's a little more sun maybe it's a little more oxygen there's some areas that are still holding some green weeds and that can be just a phenomenal bite in the fall because now you have maybe before where it was acres and acres maybe it was a 500 yard stretch of just good weeds and maybe some of them were deeper or some of them were maybe i don't know what for whatever reason were healthy in the summer and now some of those weeds have died off and now it's into like a 30 yard stretch. So you still have a lot of those same fish, but they've just really congregated in some of those smaller areas. And you know, that's where you're gonna see that really good weed edge bite as well. And this bite can easily coincide with that, um, that shallow sandy bite. You know, there might be that transition from weeds to that shallow sand and those fish will cruise right along that transition. Um, they'll cruise from the shallow sand into the weeds. Um, and it's again, just kind of figuring out where they're at each day uh, I think it was about now four weeks ago, I shot a super in-depth video on finding fish in the weeds and that bite is still going on. And I was using my electronics. I was kind of showing out how to showing how to break apart these weeds because some of these lakes, um, especially in my area, they have these big shallow flats. 
that have tons of weeds. And it's like, where do you even start with these? You can't just start pitching jigs or slip bobbers. And so I kind of break the, uh, broke down how I go about finding those green weeds and how to find areas that are going to hold fish more than maybe other spots. So that green weed bite, anytime there's some good cabbage or whatever this time of year, there's still going to be a lot of fish hanging around there. Um, and kind of the last one that I really like, and this one's kind of a sneaky one that a lot of people don't fish. Um, but it's when you're seeing some of these maybe like deep flats, maybe you're seeing a 28 foot flat, whatever it is. And you're just seeing like a very small contour change. Maybe it's a little inside turn or just a turn of the contour. Maybe there's like just a circle on your map. Um, and nine times out of 10, you're going to look at that and think nothing of it. But the more and more you use electronics, the more and more you realize that when there's any sort of contour difference in that, there's a reason for it. You know, not always, sometimes it's whatever the mapping system just read something wrong, but even those little subtle differences that seem like nothing that a lot of times will transition to, um, you know, maybe there's a little patch of like low lying weeds there. Maybe there's just a little bit of some rocks there, whatever it is, those little kind of areas will really be that structure to hold these fish. So maybe these fish are cruising over that, whole expansive flat but that little subtle contour that little subtle change um really just draws those fish in and that's where they're going to be congregated you know and it's it's just a fun bite and like i said there's a ton of bites going on right now i mean even just as i rattled those off i could keep kind of rambling on at times but there's so many things going on and it's it's a fun time of year man i i love it i love the fall and all of the different things that you can do um so a couple before we maybe jump into anything else, the couple things that I, I like to do to help, you know, cause somebody listening to this might be like information overload. <laughs> like I can't, I can't even process all this. Um, you know, a couple things that I do like is I'll use my highlight contour on my map all the time. Um, because you try some of these areas, maybe I'm looking for deep structure and I'm really starting to notice that these fish are kind of hanging out in that 26 foot range. Every piece of structure that I go to, they're hanging in that 26, 27 foot range. So now I'm really gonna dial in my presentation or dial in my highlight contour to that. So now I can really, what takes uh, maybe miles of a lake, now it breaks it down to a much more um, manageable piece. And for example, in that shallow, that shallow savvy bite that I was talking about, you know, you might get a bite in five to 15 feet. So in that video that I just did a couple of weeks ago, I talked about that. I talked how, you know, I started out with a huge swath of, you know, five to 15 feet. As I learned, as I pieced things together, I started to notice, okay, these fish were more in that like 10 foot range. So now I shrunk my highlight contour on my mapping and man, did that make a world of difference. Now it took this like kind of daunting, my goodness, how am I going to fish all this to like, oh, this is a lot more manageable. So use those highlight contours. And the bigger thing too, is like each one you try, learn a little something from it, you know? If it's not happening, like, okay, now you can kind of cross that off. Like, not, there's not a shallow bite going on right here. So being able to kind of adjust that and then really pinpoint some of those areas. Um, and I already talked about a little bit is, you know, another way to kind of break down that water because there are so many bites is find some of these ones that are going to be around the deepest basin. Um, I talked about that a little bit earlier, but that will help to, you know, take a huge lake and break it down a little smaller. And then, you know, the last little bit, and this one is, is especially true, um, anytime you're using your electronics for maybe a live scope or whatever is use those to kind of find that spot on the spot. A lot of times there's going to be a sweet spot where these fish are hanging out and it's kind of been fun over the last uh, 
five years or so since I've been using forward facing sonar, what I had some waypoints in certain areas and now I go over there and I see that there's fish in these very consistent areas for a reason. And maybe it's rocks, whatever it is, but use those electronics to really kind of dial in that spot on the spot. And now I can look at a map and I can say, Ooh, that's likely going to be a little ring or a little line of rocks that are rolling right along here, a little ridge, whatever it is. Um, you can really help to kind of dial in, find that spot on the spot to just expedite that whole process and just shrink it down a little bit. So um, there was a ton of information, kind of a, uh, I don't know, information overload there, but I've got a lot of, lot of ideas on these fall bites and it's so fun. So I want to just get that all out there. Um, and if you want to break down any more of those, we can break down more of those. Um, if you want to talk about more like specific stuff, whatever you'd like to do. If you have any fishing memory or fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica, or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizzavi from Rizzavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizzaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. This is the season for hunting and fishing opportunities in the state of North Dakota. If you hunt big game here, remember to do your part in protecting the herd. And that means knowing and following the regulations regarding chronic wasting disease here in the state of North Dakota, specifically the carcass disposal requirements. Any game carcass waste that is transported outside the hunting unit where the animal is harvested must be disposed of via a landfill or waste management provider. If you're hunting big game in North Dakota, it is your personal responsibility to educate yourself on these regulations and this information. Luckily for you, it's very simple. Just head down to the description of this podcast and click on the link. That is gf.nd.gov cwd. That's where you're going to get the information on the regulations and all information regarding chronic wasting disease in the state of North Dakota. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think it's awesome because... You know, like as you're going on, like I, I, you know, I try to fish, you know, or create new experiences for myself for just because I feel like that's when I learn the most. And so I'm always trying to fish a different lake, a different season for a different species, whatever it is, I can tweak my fishing experiences to, to create more learning for myself. And, you know, when you're talking about that, like I can relate to a lot of that stuff. It's like, because everybody's lake sets up different. So it's, you know, it's not like everything that you just talked about, every pattern you talked about can necessarily be happening on every lake. A lot of these smaller lakes just don't have everything. But, you know, I think just about anybody listening is going to be able to relate to something or a handful of some things that you just said, you know, those patterns. And, you know, I, you know, for me, the light bulbs are already going off for sure. Uh, the, the direction I want to go is, you know, if we're just sitting on top of everything you just said, right, we're, we're, we're just sort of absorbing you know, as you spoke about the patterns and the, you know, the, the different things to look at boxes to check spots you can look at and how you can kind of find and locate that stuff and research and, and, and how to, how to, you know, at least have that idea of where you should, where you might, you know, start looking and, and what you might look at uh, plan B, C and D. 
But when we're talking about presentations, there's kind of a progression to presentations always as well. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about that, you know, as it pertains to some of these specific patterns um, or just, you know, when you go out in a day, like what is kind of your one, two, maybe one, two, three punch as far as presentations that you would, you know, recommend um, in certain situations, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, just kind of talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's a kind of couple different ways. One that depends on if I'm guiding or if I am fishing personally, um, because that might dictate a little bit, whether it's either ability level or, you know, what I think is genuinely and get the most bite. But for me personally, I, if I'm fishing personally, I like to also find one that's one going to be the most effective, but also just a fun bite. And for me, there is not a much more fun bite than just a simple jig in a minnow. Um, and Honestly, one of the things that I like about it is it's so versatile. You can throw it all year long. And so that would probably be maybe not my number one. Um, I'll talk about my number one here in just a second, but probably my, my number two is a jig and minnow bite. Um, one, because it's just, it's tried and true and it works flat out. It works. Um, if fish are going to be even somewhat active in the fall, they're going to bite a jig and minnow. And another thing is it's just, it's fun. It's a fun bite. If you have an aggressive walleye thump a jig, in the fall, there is not a lot better than that. And another thing I like about the jig and minnow, like I said, it's so versatile. So you can use it in a lot of different ways. Um, some of these baits, you know, maybe if I'm using like a jig and wrap, that's gonna be pretty specific. I might not be able to throw that up in five feet wa- of water as easily. Maybe that's more of a deep structure. But like I said, with this jig, you can use, whether you're putting on plastics or a minnow, you can really kind of make it versatile to whatever you want. So if I'm gonna fish a shallow bite. I might use a little bit lighter jig so it has a little more of that slow fall. You can sometimes read the reaction of the fish. Um, So for example, like I said, when I was out fishing leech the other day, I was finding these fish on some of these shallower areas, seeing them on the side imaging, I'd find them on the live scope, kind of cast to them. And right away, you know, it was, I was just starting to work slow, starting to work it slow, just kind of rolling on bottom, maybe lift up a little bit, let it pendulum down um, and fish just weren't going. And, so what I ended up doing actually is I actually went a little bit heavier. So even though I was up shallow, I went a little bit heavier because what these fish needed is I would cast out, let it fall and let it hit bottom. And then I just do not like a big rip, like I would with maybe a jig and wrap or a glide bait, you know, whatever. I would just do a little bit of a snap and then I'd let it drop, snap, let it drop. And that is the only thing I could get these fight, these fish to bite on. They just wanted that. So even though it's the same bait, it can be worked very differently. Um, you know, I can also go over deep water and I can cast that bait over deep water and I can just go to a heavier jig and I'll be able to work that jig and minnow. So it's a super versatile bait. Minnows are pretty tough to beat in the fall. And so, you know, that is why it's one of my favorite baits, probably my number two bait. Um, and you can also, if you do see some of these suspended fish, if you're using forward facing sonar, you can use a jig and minnow um, cast it towards these, these suspended, suspended fish. And so that's just another, um, huge tool, another piece of versatility for the jig and minnow. So that's easily, um, easily up there. If I had to pick my number one right now, and that would, that would far and away be a rigged big minnow. I mean, that's no secret. That's no surprise. A rigged Creek chub, a rigged red tail. Um, in fact, I was out, I went and chased some crappies the other day. We ended the night, I was fishing with a buddy. We ended the night fishing for some walleyes for the last half hour. And we went, we were seeing fish, perfect, dropped down over the half hour. My buddy was using a rig minnow, I was using the jig. He had five walleyes, I had one. 
And I was like, that just goes to show sometimes in the fall, all they want is that big minnow just swimming down there. Um, I was just talking to another buddy on the phone yesterday and he was saying that he said he was seeing these giant groups of fish and he would cast to him, cast to him, cast to him with a jig. Couldn't get bit, couldn't get bit. Um, this time he dropped down a rigged minnow and had to sit on him for like a minute and then they finally bit. And one of the things with forward facing sonar, you see this a ton. You see this a lot where all they want, I will still get vertical over these fish a lot. You know, I'm not necessarily Lindy rigging like I used to, not that that can't be effective. Um, but in the fall, anytime you're, I want that bait around the fish as much as I possibly can. And when these fish are a little bit deeper in the fall, you can, you can afford to get over top of these fish and not spook them. So a lot of times I'll get over top of these fish and I'll drop a rig minnow right on top of them. And I will just let that thing swim around. And, you know, sometimes that minnow, if it's big, it might swim 10, 15 feet off bottom and that fish is going to chase it the whole way. Um, so a rigged minnow is by far away my number one, if I had to get bit. If I had to get bit in the fall, a big minnow on a Lindy rig is, is great. And it's so fun to see these fish on the live scope, see them chase that. You see this minnow go down and, you know, you feel that, you know, before forward facing sonar, you could feel that, you could feel that minnow and that just, you know, they get your blood pumping right there. Just feeling that minnow start to um, move back and forth. And what I always thought, I always thought they were kind of swimming side to side. And now with the forward facing sonar, what I notice is even when I'm rigging, like I said, just a little bit ago, those fish are chasing it up. That minnow is swimming up and away from it. And sometimes if it's a big enough minnow, I've had them and I've watched them where they will go. Even if I'm in like 20, 25 feet of water, they will literally go all the way to the surface almost. And these walleyes will chase them almost all the way up. Um, so rig minnow, pretty darn tough to beat in the fall. A few others that I'll just kind of run through that I will use that I um, don't use maybe as much. Those are probably my two favorite. The third one that I do use quite a bit still is a jig and wrap. I'm a huge glide bait guy. Um, I love doing it. It's a fun bite. You get bit a lot. Um, you miss a lot of fish. That's just, that's just the nature of the beast there. But that like a jig and wrap, whatever kind of glide bait you like to use, that is going to trigger so many more bites than you would if you were maybe just using um, even a jig and minnow. And if these fish are inactive, Sometimes that jig and wrap, that rip and bait is going to be the one thing that you can get them to bite. So um, other things that I do like to use, I will use like a drop shot in a minute. I'll use drop shot in leeches, drop shot in crawlers all the time in the summer, especially when I'm guiding. That is, I'm probably throwing a drop shot, I don't know, 90% of the time in the summer when I'm guiding, um, just because it's so effective. It's so easy to use and just keeps that, that bait right in the perfect sweet spot. So I'll do that in the fall. I'll, I'll even, I've used some like four or five, six inch creek chubs on a drop shot, just upsize my hook a little bit. And it almost acts like a Lindy rig, but you can have a little more control over it. Um, so that's one that I will use. Jig and plastic is awesome. You know, if you can get on a jig and plastic bite, that's another bite where those fish just absolutely demolish it. A lot of times when I use a jig and plastic, I will do a little more snap jiggy approach, try to get that reaction, you know, cause sometimes they're not gonna just sit and stare at a plastic and still bite. So you need that little more reaction style bait. Um, one I don't do nearly as much as I used to with forward facing sonar now is trolling crankbaits. Um, but if you get the body of water that sets up right, you know, maybe like a leech lake or some of these lakes that have these big expansive flats, um, being able to troll crankbaits is huge. Um, and so that's one, one bite that I do would, I've done just a little bit, but I think would be a super fun bite to do more of, but it's not on every lake is a fall jerk bait bite for walleyes. Um, you know, and that might be on top of some of the shallower pieces of structure on windy days, stuff like that. Like I said, I've just done it a little bit and that's one of those bites. That's also a ton of fun, um, but doesn't happen everywhere or all the time. 
uh, but one that I would really like to do a lot more. So yeah, that was, there was a bunch of them and I'm sure I missed, missed some that I still use, but those are definitely um, the ones that I use the most. Using forward-facing sonar, we realized that, you know, fish are utilizing more portions of the water column. Like in the fall, uh, do you feel like those fish are suspended? Do you feel like they're up in the water column just as much, just as often? Or like, what do you see in there as far as, um, you know, like where to be targeting these fish or where, you know, where to you know, be kind of looking whether you have forward sonar or not? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and honestly, I think that's something that we are all still learning a lot about. Um, from what I've noticed in, you know, the last five years using forward facing sonar in the fall is there are still fish suspended 100%, um, but it is a much smaller percentage than midsummer. Um, these fish are holding a lot tighter to structure. Sometimes they're getting a little closer to belly to bottom. You know, that's one of the things that happens a lot of times in the winter. These fish that you'll see routinely five feet off bottom in the summer in big groups, you know, a lot of those fish are getting a lot more belly to the bottom in the wintertime, you know, when they're being a little more dormant, their uh, metabolism is slowing down. So we're starting to see that where they're hanging a little tighter to bottom. Even just the other day, um, I was out fishing. We did the crappie bite and then we went into some walleyes for the last little bit. Those fish were so tight to bottom. Sometimes you would hardly even see them on um, your forward facing sonar. Sometimes it would just be on the side imaging. And sometimes it would only be once they start chasing that minnow up. And so I definitely start to see fish closer to bottom, um, not nearly as suspended, not saying that they won't be suspended because sometimes they still will. And, you know, maybe four or five feet off bottom. I don't see as many fish suspended maybe over basin as much, Um, but it's also a bite that I don't chase as much as I do in the summer. In the summer, I might chase that basin bite a little bit more. And so there may still be a pretty high percentage, but in my experience, I haven't found it as much, but I also don't do it quite as much. So yeah, I definitely seem like they do hang a little tighter to the structure, a little tighter to bottom, and they're not quite as suspended, quite as um, roaming in kind of that area. They're a little more closer to the structure. And what what else should we be talking about? You know, talking about, um, you know, locations, uh, you know, and, and presentations and and that sort of thing, like, like, like what, uh, how, how do we really package this up and maybe, um, you know, kind of come full circle on this and, and, uh, wrap it up. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that I might want to add to, and, and mostly because I get a lot of questions about this, you know, I get a lot of people reaching out to me on YouTube, maybe on Instagram, which I love. I love when people reach out. I love, you know, talking to people fishing anytime we're talking fishing, I'm happy, you know? And so one of the questions, two of the questions that I get asked a lot is, one, um, one because it's relatively close to me, but I get asked about the leech bite a lot. And that is one, like I said, that I've been excited to fish more this fall. It's a, it's a bite that I don't get to get to a lot simply because I don't guide over there. And so it just doesn't make sense for me in the summertime to get over there. I'm either guiding or I'm looking for the next bite kind of thing. And so this fall bite on leech is a ton of fun. One of the things that I absolutely love about fall, and I think everybody can say this, is one, it's absolutely gorgeous out. You're seeing these fall colors, and there's just nothing better about being out on a calm fall day, and you see these leaves changing colors, and you just know very few people are getting the same view right now. And it's there's just something cool about that. Um, but two, there's hardly anybody out. I mean, you very rarely, I mean, leech is a lake that you're going to see people out, but it's nothing like it is maybe in the springtime or, um, you know, even kind of summertime. 
But that fall bite in on leech is a ton of fun. You know, these fish are moving up into kind of some of those shallower areas again. You know, maybe it's in the portage bay, maybe it's in the sucker bay. There's so many areas that have those shallow, shallow flats. And if you are looking to learn side imaging, there is no better place than Leech Lake in the spring or in the fall. Because I tell you what, this sand that these fish hang out on, um, you know, you can see some of the screenshots in my last video that I posted. Uh, but it's so easy to see these fish. It's easy to see them on the side imaging. It's hard. So you're looking for that shadow. Um, but it is a great place to go and learn your electronics because, you know, in the fall it'll happen too, but in the springtime, these fish can get into huge groups. You know, this last time I was out there, it was a little bit tougher. You really kind of had to be dialed in because you were seeing just a couple fish. But when you see these fish in like groups of 30, 40, they stick out so much and you can really just get a very good idea of what's going on. That's one of the people, you know, I get tons of questions about electronics simply because I love electronics. I'm an electronics junkie. I mess around with mine a lot trying to get the best settings or whatever it is. And people are always asking me, like, how do I learn this? And, you know, watching videos is, is great. That is huge. I've learned a ton from watching videos. Um, but honestly, the more time you can spend on the water, the better. And the one thing people, the one big mistake that people make is they go and they try to learn their electronics. If, and they might not know where some fish are. They might not even know what's in this lake. So when you do that, go to an area where you're going to have a chance at looking at some fish. So going to the shallow leech lake bite um, in some of these days. And in some of these shallow flats, being able to really dial in those electronics on those are huge. But like I said, that bite is fun right now because, um, you know, they're in these bays. They it just takes a little bit of driving around with your live scope and, uh, or sorry, driving around with your uh, side imaging 2D and you're going to come across some fish. At, you know, you're kind of scanning in and out from the depth, from different depths, maybe, you know, eight feet, maybe out to seven or uh, maybe out to 12 feet, whatever it is. And you can really start to see these fish show up. and that shallow bite is so fun. Those fish in leech are just so aggressive and they are, they just fight. They fight a little bit different than any other lake um, that I've fished. So that's, a, that's one that I did want to talk about that shallow fall bite right now on leech is just awesome. Um, and another one that I do, do get a lot of questions on mostly because I've done a few videos up there um, is rainy lake. You know, rainy lake is another lake that doesn't get fished very hard. Um, partially because it's a little further up North, um, you know, from my door in Park Rapids, it's not that far. It's like two and a half hours. So it's really not that bad. But Rainy Lake is an incredible fisher. You know, as much as leech can be a shallow bite this time of year, Rainy Lake definitely has more of that deep bite, you know, that deep structure. Um, you know, we've been, and the fun thing about uh, Rainy is you're going to get smallies and walleyes mixed into the same area as fishing this deep structure. And it's just a ton of fun. Some days the smallies will just fire off. You know, I think it was two years ago, um, we went over MEA break and uh, when you're talking kind of stories, things that really kind of keyed you in on the fall bite, this was a trip that was like, this is awesome. And we, we went to rainy Lake. We had done the rainy river. I'd done rainy river for years because that's kind of the, what I grew up doing. And, but you know, it was so much, so variable, uh, depending on high water, low water, all of that was very variable. And so we had a couple of years where it was really tough because of the water conditions. And so I was like, let's do something different. So we went to rainy Lake and we got on like a deep, structure bite so i it was probably a year or two after i got my live scope and we get over these deep rocks and you're just seeing fish everywhere and you know there's a couple times uh, a couple of the days the smallies just absolutely lit up and you know we were catching a hundred smallies in a day and you were just seeing these things over these deep structure and that was one of those bites where like man fall is the best because you're catching a bunch of nice smallies you're catching 
um, some nice walleyes mixed in. And you know, that trip, you know, we had 38 inch pike, 40 inch pike. So you're, you're getting some trophy class fish in a lot of different things. And that's one of the things that it, Rainy Lake is so much a trophy fishery. It's not, it's, it can be a numbers lake, um, but it's not necessarily going to go out and maybe be like a leak to Lake of the Woods, Red Lake, where you're just going to go catch a ton of eaters. Um, there's definitely areas where you can do that. But one of the things that I found with Rainy Lake is the size of these fish, you're, you have a very good chance of going and catching an upper 20 inch walleye on Rainy Lake, a 40 inch pike, you know, a four or five pound smallie. And a lot of times you can do it in the same day. Um, so that's a super fun bite. Uh, can be can be tough because obviously ch things change quickly, um, but that cold weather can make it challenging. There's been some years we've been battling just snow or whatever it might be in the fall. Um, but that is when you were talking about like things that shape your fishing in the fall, like that is a bite that was like, showed really what it can be. And it's just, like I said, I'm just super excited. We're heading up back up there here in the next couple of days. And I cannot wait to get back to that. I'm planning on shooting some videos um, on kind of my time up there. So if you're uh, looking to get kind of a more detailed bite of what's going on there, what we're catching, um, stay tuned to my YouTube channel there and we'll have, we'll have some stuff coming on. Um, but yeah, those are a couple of the ones, like I said, I always try to touch on things that I get a lot of questions on because obviously you do the same thing. Like you're getting people asking you questions, people asking oh, yeah. for people to talk and being able to hit on some of those, like if one person has that question, it's usually a lot more, usually a lot more than just one. So those are a couple of the lakes that are awesome fall lakes um, that I think people would have a great time when you're talking kind of this Northern Minnesota thing. Dude, I love it, man. I love it. We've covered a lot of ground. You've answered so many of my questions. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I love the topics. I love the breakdowns. It's going to relate to a lot of people, um, even if they're not fishing northern Minnesota, but just the fall fishing conversations, just, you know, full of information like that, full of ideas, always be, you know, open-minded, be willing to check a lot of different things. You know, that kind of conversation, I think, helps a lot of people, um, you know, just keeping that open mind, uh, whether they're fishing their home body of water or they're exploring the idea of a destination in the fall, which, uh, you know, should absolutely be a thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, dude, absolutely. so I appreciate That's a lot. That's one of the things I did want to say is a lot of this information is pertinent to both these big bodies. So in, in my home area of Park Rapids, like we have a ton of just the smaller inland lakes that are super common around most of Minnesota. And so a lot of this information is based off of that, these smaller, but also some of that information is based off of these leech lake bites, these rainy lake, lake of the woods, some of those bites. So a lot of this information is going to be um, valuable no matter what body of water you're on. You know, sometimes if I have someone that's talking Maybe someone's talking Lake of the Woods and I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't really relate to me because my experience on Lake of the Woods, you know, I grew up fishing Lake of the Woods. It doesn't fish like it does around here. It's very, very different. So like, okay, maybe I might not find value in that conversation if I'm trying to learn something about Park Rapids, but pretty much these topics that we covered, these locations specifically, there's a very good chance, no matter what body of water that you're on, if there's walleyes in there, they are going to be on one of these locations. You know, that's covered pretty much the gamut, gamut of the fall walleye fishing right there. So it's, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully everybody that's listening will be able to like take a little piece um, or maybe, hey, I'm going out this weekend and I'm going to be able to tell like, okay, oh, I want to try that hard to soft transition or maybe I want to find that. So hopefully everyone's able to just kind of take away a little, even though it might have been uh, drinking through a fire always here with, with all this information. With that being oh, said, man, it's too, good. if you're wondering more in depth, anybody that's listening, you know, feel free to reach out. Um, I, I always have people reaching out and I love answering questions, love helping out. Um, so just if there was something that I said that you're like, Hey, tell me more about this or, Hey, I'm not quite sure what you meant by this. Um, like I said, always, always willing to chat and always love chatting fishing because 
tell you what, the, the fishing community is, is a fun community. Yeah, man. Let everybody know where you're at, your YouTube channel, uh, your socials. Um, how do they find you? What should they be looking for? Yeah, absolutely. Probably first and foremost, especially if you have found some value in this conversation specifically, you're going to want to head to my YouTube channel because I do a ton of educational videos. Um, you know, I'm a teacher by nature. Um, and that is what my YouTube channel is a lot of times kind of oriented towards is like getting into some of the nitty gritty showing you, I do a ton of overlays. So I'm also a visual learner. And so my videos reflect that I do a ton of, you know, looking at chart, looking at your lake maps. What are you looking for? Exactly. Looking at the side imaging, looking at your live scope, um, all that kind of stuff. So if you if you're found value in this conversation, head on over there. I have a ton of the information going even more in depth. Um, than what we talked about tonight. So that'd be, that'd be a first place to go take a look, take a look at that kind of stuff. I've been doing a lot more. I, I was talking to you, Taylor, just a little bit before this and actually this last summer um, with some of the opportunities I've gotten with YouTube, I've started to scale back a little bit more on guiding, which has been awesome because now I've actually been able to produce some more content coming up and moving forward. That's the plan is to continue hitting some of the YouTube stuff hard. You know, I do some other photo video stuff within the fishing industry as well. So that stuff will be, will be happening as well, but really plan on hitting the YouTube thing hard. Um, here this this uh, winter and especially into next summer and otherwise reach out on Instagram uh, it's all TJ's guide service Facebook TJ's guide service uh, that's the best best place to kind of reach out get in touch um, that is that's where you're gonna be able to find me and like I said feel free to just stop in say hey people doing it all the time and it's it's a ton of fun right on man well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything, man. I appreciate the information. Um, and uh, definitely anybody that's got any questions, be checking out the YouTube stuff for sure. So much information there uh, from you, TJ, and I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, man, um, uh, that's a wrap. You bet. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on again.